0: It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to The Saturday Show with Adrian Leiser and Jake Hatch. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't
1: wait. It's all weekend, baby.
0: On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
1: It is the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Major Elizer with my good pal Austin Horton, who is nice enough to stick around and hang out with me today. Uh, we are continuing the fun here at the point after Austin. Great pregame show with you and Frank Dolce. Don't miss those twos. They'll be on the postgame as Utah is about to kick off against Washington. We'll keep you posted on that goes. We've got a lot of exciting things to do today, but I am I'm happy to be here. This is my... Bar, Austin. this is your spot, man. This is where I sit over there usually in the every Sunday and watch the Vikings play. Right, do they this, know
0: you by name like on Cheers?
1: Uh, I wish, but they do not, Adrian. Yes, they know, yeah. yeah, but there's a lot of regulars who come in every Sunday. There's a nice contingent of Vikings fans and there Packers is? fans. Yeah, this place is great on a Sunday, and of course, because they got all the games how many t- you counted 17 tvs 18? 18 tvs just in this room they've got an upstairs where they have a bunch more tvs so you fans if you're out there and you're looking for a place to watch come down here to the point after uh i can attest this is where i hang out so if yeah. especially
0: if i were a uh, a cord cutter right adrian this is the spot because you get to come down here sit down watch it on this big giant movie yep. screen you get to order food just pig out, have a good time, and then leave. You don't have to clean up. Correct. You don't have to have your moron friends and family enter your house. with I their hate muddy my shoes moron on. friends, yes. You don't have to pay for cable or, or satellite. Yes. And you get the best service and food in town.
1: That's exactly why I come, because I am a cord cutter myself, and I would need a place to watch my game. so I come down here and I watch. So the point after, 5740 South, 900. Oh, Fifty four forty five south, nine hundred east. Indeed, yes, so you'll find it. You'll find it really easy. <laughs> attached to the sports mall, and uh, yeah, I live right down the street from here. So,
0: now did you know that Brock Heward was on the call for this game for the in Huskies? I did, and his brother is on is the the
1: radio guy analyst right? yeah. for Washington. Yeah, so that's weird. And doesn't. Isn't Damon Heward's son going to be playing at Washington? He'll be on the team next. Yeah. in the next two years. Yes, yeah, So, because I think you told me that he was going to wrap it up there once his son started playing, just so he could be a dad who goes and watches football game. Yeah, I asked him about
0: that, and that's yeah. exactly the, what, the reason he's going to do it, because he, A... He full on admitted that he did not want to have to criticize his son on the broadcast and he would have to
1: when his son messes up. <laughs> imagine being a co- like being a coach of your kid is one thing but imagine having to be an impartial analyst Oh, that interception was horrible, wasn't it, Damon? Well, that's my boy, so. And I want him to get an NFL look, so yeah, no. So it no. wasn't his fault. Actually, that offensive that, lineman's a bum. Look at that <laughs> route run by that terrible <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, yeah that's so that's, he's going to step away that's when cool. that happens. But. That's cool. So Utah versus Washington. Uh, we are on till 4 o'clock. Then we make way for the Man Cave show. And also, there is Utah State and BYU coverage coming later today. So we're going to let you hear. Tony and Austin had a conversation with Riley Jensen yesterday. He talked a I lot. I love the
0: Tony and Austin show man it's a good show it's the second best show on the station first being the movies yes yes. well Ken
1: Pomeroy said so he said and that guy's known all over the world he is <laughs> yes, in fact So, good friend of the station Ken yes. Pomeroy so
0: I'm excited to hear the Tony and Austin show interview with Riley
1: Jensen it'll, it'll be a little surreal to hear yourself Yeah, I won't listen to it. No, you won't. uh, (laughs) Because you were a part of the conversation. But, yeah, we'll let you hear from that. As Riley played at Utah State, obviously, and knows a lot about the local rivalries and the local football teams. Was also at BYU
0: for a minute. Yes, true. He's got both sides of that thing covered. Did you
1: hear – Riley Nelson and DJ Nelson on Hanson Scott. That, that, was was good. A, that was a pretty cool uh, yeah. thing. They surprised Riley Nelson with his brother. <laughs> and uh, the, the, as Hans called him, the turncoat, his fellow turncoat, <laughs> or traitor, fe- fellow traitor. So, Hanson and Riley were the yeah, traitors. They're the traitors. Okay. It's hard to go to Logan if you're those guys. <laughs> Riley was saying there's like almost 50 people in his family that have all graduated from Utah State, and he's the one BYU graduate. So it's pretty interesting stuff. But, uh, yeah, big game coming up tonight. We'll get into that. We'll keep you posted on some college football scores from across the country, including Utah and Washington. And uh, But, Austin, I wanted to start because you spent the entire uh, last hour talking about this Utah game. There was a NBA game in the state last night. It was the Utah Jazz on the road as they took on the Sacramento Kings, fell in a close one, 102-101 donovan mitchell had the final look there kind of he said i uh, was interested in the post game show he pump faked he said i should have gotten myself fouled and we should have won uh in the end he tried to step through it and take the shot himself and missed it because um, he got the guy in the air yeah i don't know who it was but uh he said oh i should have been at the line we should have won anyway but oh, i
0: know who why did i just space on who it was uh, it wasn't Barnes. It, was, uh, it wasn't was Deadman. Was it
1: Buddy Heald that was out there? No, I don't remember. Ah, anyway, but uh, they fall, of course, and uh, the Jazz, they give the Kings their first win of the season. The Jazz are 4-2 now, 1-2 away from Vivint Smart Home Arena. But Austin, I thought it was an entertaining final few minutes. The Jazz fall short, but I will tell you that Rudy Gobert kept them in that thing for the almost the entire fourth quarter with his um, and i david locke said that was the best defense individual defensive play he's ever seen in which that, one in that stretch just that stretch oh, oh the, the play of that The stretch. play of rudy gobert in that stretch was some of the best defense he'd ever seen an individual player the
0: guy played 38 minutes 38 yeah. he sat for four minutes that's it. That's, and a, they that's it. That's all. For all 38. Yeah. Right? Ed Davis with the lower leg yep. contusion. We'll mm-hmm. see what uh, that holds for the game against the Clippers tomorrow. But Rudy Gobert looked so tired, and, and how would you not be? Yeah. And yet was still coming up big time, play after play after play. Uh, and there were a lot of incorrect people on social media last night who were, who were mad at Rudy. For the uh, rebound put-back that put the Kings up, 102-101. No, that wasn't. It was not Rudy. It was. It was Boyan. Mm-hmm. Boyan looked like he didn't had never heard of a <laughs> box out before.
1: Yeah, that was a poor time to not find that body. Uh, you and know. he knows it. Yep, he does. He, he, uh, and, and then on the final play,
0: I thought Donovan had a lob to Rudy mm, early in I that see play. what you're saying. Then I thought he should have passed to Boyan in the corner. And then he should have taken a shot. Yeah, but you can't, that's that may be silly mm-hmm. to say get the ball out of your best offensive player's hands in right. that moment. Right, it just happened to not go in. If it had gone in, no one's criticizing anyone. We're talking about how Donovan Mitchell' greatest
1: f- finish ever, or whatever. So, right. Yeah.
0: But I also David Locke kind of gave us the heads up on this on uh, the big show on Thursday. Mm-hmm. He explained that while the Kings, yeah, they had to travel to India and they had a lot of. Uh, play in in a little bit of time uh, without a lot of rest themselves. The Jazz had not had a moment off since the start of the season. They haven't had a practice. They have not had a practice in 10 days, he said. That was Thursday. They didn't practice again today because they finally have a day off today Mm -hmm. because they flew last night to L.A., so they're sitting today. I think that's what's going on. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they flew after the game last night from Sacramento to L.A. They are taking today off. It's their first off day since the season began on a Wednesday 14, that, what, like 17 days something? ago? Yeah, something what was like it? that. Yeah. So they, they were due for a loss of this nature. But in that loss, Adrian, they were not incredibly sloppy. Mm-mm. They were pretty good. The free throws bother me. You know that. I would find a guy five grand for every missed free throw. Uh, and it wouldn't, and that would be conservative.
1: Twenty of twenty-seven on the night. They missed the seven Jeff.
0: free throws. Donovan went one of two at a moment. Moutier mm-hmm. missed mm-hmm. O of two.
1: Rudy Especially missed down the a, stretch, one
0: in the final moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a one-point ball game with your legs gone mm-hmm. and you're so tired, uh, you have ten seconds to take your breath and make those free throws, and you missed seven of them. You lost by one. It's not the worst loss. I'm not certain it'll be a loss at the end of the year when we're talking playoff push that they're going to really too much lament. But it could end up being one of those where you point to go, Gow. yeah, they could have just got one, two more yep. points against Sacramento.
1: Well, And the Kings too going into the season. I know they've been 0-5, but we kind of thought, oh, this that going into the season, we would have thought going on the road to beat the Kings might be a pretty good win. Unfortunately, uh, they fell short last night and... Hopefully, when you look back at the end of the season, you don't point to it and say, oh, man, that, that game against our 0-5 team might come back to haunt you. But that's just the nature of the NBA. It's, especially in the West this year, we're going to be like, oh, my gosh. every We're going to look at every loss through the year. Or we may even look through every win and say, man, that win at Phoenix, that sloppy win at hmm. Phoenix is the one that put them over the top. Yeah, and, it's not always just losses. Right, yeah. And Sacramento is a team that... Uh, Sacramento's a team that was desperate on the edge of desperation. 0-5, Luke Walton, uh, maybe not the best guy for that job. Um, he's got Igor Kokoschka up next to him. Maybe he should listen to him a little bit. And But De'Aaron Fox is a good player. Didn't have an assist in the first half. That's the thing about watching the Kings last night, is it was just whoever had the ball, that was your turn to make an offensive play. And they made a lot of shots. Can't take that away from the Kings, but it was just like, one and done, no pass possessions for the Kings, and it worked in one night, uh, but the Jazz fell short.
0: There were guys on the Kings looking a lot better than they typically would mm-hmm. against the Utah Jazz, like like uh, Deadman. He he had a pretty good looking game. That's not happening if the Jazz are fresh. Yeah, uh, Buddy Hield, De'Aaron Fox. I think I think he's a great talent. But he looked even better. And that's yeah. because the Jazz were a step slow because they're tired, and, and that's fine. The Kings needed a win. They were 0-5. Yeah. They got their win. They're 1-5. Jazz lose 4-2. I know that this is the excitement of the 2019-20 Utah Jazz, Adrian. Mm-hmm. Every single game, the fans feel like a playoff game.
1: Yeah, I heard you talking about because I think DJ had said it. Like, they're living, the Jazz fans are living by every every dribble. play, yeah. every dribble for the entire season because of the expectations on this team. Uh, you and Tony talked about that a little too, and it's so true. Like, this is the kind of season where if you're a Jazz fan, you haven't really been, this is probably the best team you've had in a very, very long time, yeah. or it is on paper anyway. And like every single dribble, and that's why Jazz fans are so great because they're not these fans that just like you look at New Orleans, no one's going to those games because why would you? Because Zion's been out yeah. and he'll be out for another six weeks, so no one's going to those games anymore.
0: I feel so bad for Derek Favors, by the way, yeah, that he's in that situation, but
1: yeah, and he's been hurt too, so yeah. but the Jazz get the loss last night 102 um, 101. I wanted to. Uh, Later in the show, we're going to get into some things that Quinn Snyder had to say before the game. And uh, it's something that I know you are very passionate about. Screen assists and effective field goal percentage. But Quinn Snyder talked about how he wants the box score to change a little bit. We'll get into that later. Because I know you are big on screen assists for a good reason. Because they matter. They lead to wins. They lead to wins. Rudy Gobert does a lot of them. And you saw last night in his 38 minutes that that guy, he didn't come off the floor because of what you mentioned, Ed Davis had his lower leg contusion. And Tony Bradley's not ready. And Tony Bradley's not ready. So we may see a lot of this out of Rudy Gobert. But this is his chance to really, he had 15 points, 16 boards. He was incredible. He was And terrific. he was the star of the game last night, I thought. In a loss. In a loss, yep, yeah.
0: For sure. A, uh, and that's, that's what Rudy Gobert can do for you. When the rest of the team is bumming a bit because they're slow or fatigued or tired, Rudy is too, mm-hmm. but he's just so big and long and mm-hmm. crafty and smart and tough. And I, I, loved, I loved him giving the business to Bill Billita. Oh, Billita
1: when he drove at the end of the first half.
0: That was fun. That was fun.
1: Yeah. Anyway. He blocked it right at the buzzer. He gave it, and then he started. he looked at the king's bench a little bit. It was like, don't put me in isolation, especially against Bielitsa. What are you doing? doing? But uh, (laughs) the Jazz, tomorrow night, they head down to Los Angeles, or they're there now, but they will take on the L.A. Clippers. Presumably with Kawhi. Yeah, presumably with Kawhi Leonard. The Clippers uh, will uh, be more closer to full strength, Austin. And we just saw the Clippers in town, but clearly a different team when you're two best players as any team would be your two best players out but tomorrow night i'm expecting a good game are you jazz clippers i think that the jazz may be a little bit more inspired like you talked about with the day off they may be a little more fresh this is a big test in the western conference if you're looking to be a team that wants to be on the map and maybe, for, you know, hey, don't forget about us. We're pretty good. This is a game you go in on the road and you beat the Clippers at their place and you figure out a way to win that game, even without Paul George.
0: It could go that way. Uh, I kind of feel like it could be tight in the first half. And then the second half, the Jazz uh, fatigue and injury catch up with them mm. a bit. You can't, Rudy Gobert can't play 38 minutes a I'm night. a little concerned about that. He can't. So if Ed Davis
1: is out, that might be
2: trouble. We're, this is
0: six games. Yeah, There's 76 to go. There's bigger things ahead. You're right. I know the Clippers are going to be in that one through four, and the Jazz are aiming to be in that one through four as well, so this is a big matchup. But Rudy Gobert can't play 38 minutes a night. They've got to find something else
1: to do. Jeff Green. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think they go small? They, they have to, They right? have to, yeah. I think I'm with you. Uh, and, I don't think Tony what, Bradley's ready. I think he's made a lot of improvements, but I don't think he's ready.
0: And the reason that worries me is Montrez Harrell is, yeah. a, is a mountain. And when Rudy's in, Montrez Harrell is not as good. When Rudy's not in, Montrez Harrell dominates. And Zubots is not a bad player. Zubots is great. Yeah. So I, I actually am not expecting that mm. much of a competitive second half tomorrow. And then they've got Monday and Tuesday off before the Sixers come to town Wednesday. Yeah.
1: And, may, and uh, I don't, will Embiid be out that game? It's his or first, is his game, first back. game back. first game back? Okay. So and I, can you believe we they only got it. two games for that? Well,
0: I saw who was it that tweeted out about how they suspended C.J. McCollum uh, uh, a game for just stepping yeah. half of a shoe onto the court once. Yeah. Uh, and yet here these guys throw in blows and they just get two games. That, that, that bothered me. What bothered me the absolute most? was when they labeled Ben Simmons a peacemaker. He had the guy in a WWE chokehold.
1: I want to be that type of peacemaker. I've never seen... A, did you ever expect to see an WWE player tapping out on the ground? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, did,
0: I also, uh, when I read the Bible once, when he said, uh, praise be the peacemakers, I did not picture those Headlocks peacemakers or, headlocking uh-huh, the uh-huh, opponent. But, uh-huh. hey... If the NBA said so. They had so. to collect taxes
1: back then, Austin. <laughs> Isn't that like half the stories in the Bible are about tax collectors? Yep, uh, all of them. And who's evil and who's not? I yep. don't know. Well, anyway. money is always the, the story, really. Peacemaker. Yeah. Come on. What a joke. What a joke. Uh, a lot of NBA action last night. We'll get into uh, the epic showdown between Luka Doncic and LeBron James. What a fantastic basketball game that was last night. And uh, we'll get into that. We'll give you an update on this uh, Utah-Washington score. Washington has had the ball forever. Has Utah had the ball? I don't believe so. Oh, they've they've had had it once? Okay, Okay. so uh, it was a short, short stint by the Utah offense. But now Washington's been driving the field. We'll let you know what's going on there. As well as we'll kick around some scores in college football. Uh, In the top 25, Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. They are about to be heading into the half at 14 apiece. Um, Georgia and Florida that's a top 10 showdown Georgia up 3-0 on the road at Florida Kansas State is up 14-3 on Kansas Clemson somehow got Wofford in week whatever this is week eight of an NCAA football season they're up 14-0 Utah Washington Uh, Michigan gets the 38-7 win over Maryland 44-10 44 Wake Forest NC State victory. Later on tonight, Auburn at Ole Miss, or Auburn hosts Ole Miss, Cincinnati, ECU 15th, SMU goes to 24th ranked Memphis. We talked about Oregon. They are on the road at USC, looking to you, Utah a favor there. And then 4-4 four and four, San Jose State. They will be hosting. They've won four games. They have won four games. They're hosting Boise State tonight. Party in San Jose. Party in San Jose. Bad news for the Utes here.
0: They gave up a, a, a mm. false uh, offside. Bradley and I, who Frank and I were talking during the pregame, and Frank mentioned how Bradley and I is really quick off that snap. But sometimes, yeah, he jumped, it. Yes, he that jumped it, got called offside, gave Washington a first down, and then they scored a touchdown on a pass to uh, oh, I can't remember that guy's name now. Eighty-two. To 82. I can't remember his name. But it's 7 uh, nothing. Washington. Number one
1: in our hearts, number 82 on the I field.
0: didn't see this going this way already. I really didn't. But we'll see. Yeah, There's it, a
1: lot of game left. A lot of game left. Washington's a strong offense, Austin. And that's a hard place to play. And Chris Peterson, a guy who's beat Kyle Whittingham a lot of times. So we'll see what adjustments Utah has on the uh, other side of giving up that touchdown. Coming up next, we're going to let you hear from Riley Jensen. He spoke with Tony and Austin on the Tony and Austin Show, produced by me. So you never get away from us. Uh, That'll be coming up next. He talks a little bit about this Utah-Washington game, but a lot about BYU and Utah State. And uh, that's a big one coming up tonight. So I'll let you hear from Riley Jensen coming up on the other side. This is the Saturday Show on the Zone Sports Network, live from the Point After here, 55, four, 5445 South, nine hundred East, here in Murray. So come down, say hi to us, and get some food, get some drinks, have a good time. It's packed with Utah fans. That's all coming up here on the Saturday Show.
0: Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard. Making a quick trip to the home improvement store. We've got your back.
3: It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday
0: Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch on 975-1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. <laughs>
1: here on The Zone Sports Network Angelizer with Austin Horton. Jake Hatch out today uh, enjoying some R&R. Oh, is he? Yes. I thought he was doing the BYU stuff tonight. I don't know what he's doing. He just said he
0: couldn't be here. Uh, Yeah, I think But he's heading up there later. There was a family obligation where he would either have to miss the show or the BYU coverage. Ah. And sadly for him,
1: He's got to do the family thing and then drive to Logan. Yes, where uh, you told me the weather looks to be uh, chilly. I was Would kind you of, categorize it as chilly? I was kind of making that up. Oh,
0: okay. Uh, but I, it's up in Logan. When's the last time we went to Logan in
1: November and went, this was a good idea. <laughs> as far as the weather, lovely town. Nah. But... Uh, <laughs> By the way it was cool uh, uh, A D. John Hartwell brought a bunch of pizza that to all the guy wa- all the awesome. students camping out over the weekend.
0: The so. low tonight in Logan is eight degrees. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if no, you're a thanks. if you're a moose, head on up to that game, yeah, you'll be fine. Real, yeah. Um, speaking of that game in Logan, Utah State and BYU, we'll get into this a little later, but Riley Jensen was on with you and Tony yesterday and they taught and you guys talked a lot about this game. Uh, You hear the cheers there, Utah, down into, uh, gets to about the 50-yard line. Jalen Dixon with a big old catch. Big catch. So uh, let's let you hear from Riley Jensen here as he uh, spoke with. uh, He toked with Riley? No, my bad. Whoa, that's not what happened. Where was I? (laughs) I don't know. You were with Tony. He spoke with Tony and Austin on their show yesterday.
3: All right, joining us right now, 97.5, 12.80, The Zone in The Zone Sports Network. He does a great job with coaching. He does a great job with consulting. He does a great job coming on the show. He's our quarterback. It's Riley Jensen. What's up, Riley? How are you, man?
2: Hey, what's happening, guys? Uh, it's my quarterback. How
3: much? Uh, it's my Big
2: playoff game for
3: you again. Out the Hawks. Round two.
2: Yeah, round two. Got a big one down against uh, a great coach and a great team, Tony McGeary, in his last year. I'm a- uh-huh. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about that team being extra motivated to win for their coach. Yeah. So we're, we're doing two- everything we can. We're going to try and put in a play again like last week where we, we throw incomplete pla- passes for touchdowns. <laughs> Are you okay with that? That always hey, works. Hey, yeah.
3: Hmm. I've been telling you that that play really should get more consideration. But, hey, playoffs, you pulled right. that out. Those of you who don't you know, know and didn't look, see it.
2: It, uh, it Al- just costs a little bit of money to pay off the refs on that kind oh. of stuff, you know? Whoa. <laughs> yeah.
3: Breaking news on 97.5, yeah, 1280 right, The right. Zone. Joining us right now, the offensive coordinator. <laughs> no, but the uh, – uh, no, those of you who didn't see it, Alta just threw an incomplete pass and – the, the side judge threw the out the bean bag blew. and whistle never blew and your offensive lineman ten seconds later picked it up and scored a touchdown.
2: I I think the sad thing about that call was, the thing that was difficult about that call is just that I would have been as irate as Box Elder was if Box Elder had picked up the ball hmm. and ran it for a touchdown or if they just even recovered it. I mean right. we're inside their red zone. I mean it just there was huge implications on that play and I, I do feel bad for Box Elder because I, I would have liked us to be able to like go in and score in a regular fashion there. But it, it is what it is when you don't have replay and when you don't have all that other stuff for high school football.
3: Well, speaking of implication, big one. Saturday night between BYU and Utah State, you always kind of have a different feel for different games and different things. After Utah State played the way they did last week, I've told people I don't know what to expect of that team this week.
2: I'm not quite I actually, sure where they're at. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm with you. I, I felt that way after the Nevada game. I watched the Nevada game very closely. It was not a great performance by Utah State, and then to see them come out and play against the Air Force the way they did. I, as an Aggie fan, you ought to be really, really nervous about this game. Um, I, I, I don't know what to expect. Um, certainly, going into a rivalry game, you would rather come off a big win against the 14th team in the country. Like like BYU has, than you would Utah State, where you come off of a blowout at a team that you probably feel like you should compete with and win almost every time now, and so it becomes one of those situations where, man, you hope you hope that that got Utah State's attention. You hope that they turn it around a little bit. But uh, to be honest with you, I'm just I'm hoping that they have their attention and that that just the whole thing that it's a rivalry game and won't make this team close right now because I, I don't have a great feeling about Utah State going into this game. Well,
0: let's talk about Jordan Love a little bit and uh, how he's not played statistically like a lot of us thought he would. The Scouts are reportedly still really interested in him as an NFL prospect, but his collegiate year uh, this season has not been terrific. Is it because he's pressing Riley because of all the attention he wants to rise up his, his draft status or is he dealing with maybe uh, some issues around him on that team that any quarterback would struggle with?
2: Well, I think I think the answer is both. Um, you know, when I was listening to the, well, I wasn't listening to it, I was watching the Nevada game, they were talking about all the pro scouts that are coming in every week to take a look at Jordan Love. I mean, there's no way you don't notice that as a quarterback. It's not like people are blinders on and go, oh, that's the Redskins over there. Oh, that's, you know, the Oakland Raiders there. And who are they here to see? I mean, everybody knows who they're there to see. And so I think it's a combination of him pressing and really wanting to have a good year this year so that he can have an opportunity to play in the NFL. And then I think there's some different things going on. I mean, You look at Dax Raymond and Tarver and some of these guys that went up and caught a lot of the 50-50 balls last year at Utah State and made some big plays, fuck you wouldn't love. I mean, look, when I I played in junior college, and and I had probably my best year ever, my sophomore year at, at Snow College, You know, I thought it was pretty good because I I, I received a lot of accolades and a a lot of awards. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, okay, so my Z receiver was Kevin Curtis, who played for 11 years in the NFL. My ex-receiver started for two years in the SEC at at Kentucky and had a tryout in the NFL. My tight end played for the University of Utah. My fullback played for Cal Berkeley. My offensive lineman played for BYU in Southern Utah. I mean, you start going down the list, you start realizing man that was a great year for me but goodness gracious there was a lot of good players around me and I think that's probably a little bit what Jordan Love's going through right now because the, the other thing that I'd like to say is just when I threw the ball to Kevin Curtis I knew that he would make the catch it really didn't matter where I thought I mean I, I, he was going to make the catch and so when he was covered I would throw it and he would make the catch and then this, this interesting transformation happens when you're a quarterback that as you start throwing to a guy that you know is going to make the catch, all of a sudden you start throwing money balls to him because there's no pressure for you to be perfect. And when you, on the converse, when you throw to guys that don't catch the ball very well, it becomes really, really, really difficult to throw accurate because you're trying so hard to put it right on the money all the time. I think Jordan Love is going through some pressure, and I think that he's pressing a little bit to show these scouts that he deserves to play in the NFL and then I think there's some other things going on where there's quite a few drops this year and so it makes you feel like you have to throw what I call a catch it a wear it ball where he's either wearing it in his face mask or he catches it. And that's a really small radius to be able to throw the ball to and I think it I think it I think it makes it a little bit more difficult to be accurate as a quarterback.
3: Riley Jensen the quarterback joining us here on ninety seven five twelve eighty the zone. One last thing I had on Utah State here did you have teams that you played or coached for that you felt like they were just kind of getting by? The scoreboard looked like one thing. The wins were there. The record looked fine. The fans and the people around the program were happy, but you could feel the discomfort of knowing that it wasn't as good as people perceived because that's maybe the feeling I get about Utah State before that game against Air Force.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, sometimes, you know, as you're going along in a season, if there's a couple of one-offs with, you know, ugly. And you're like, okay, you know, you know, in 2008, what was it for the University of Utah? It was the Oregon State game and the TCU game where maybe it wasn't a beautiful win. Maybe they lucked out in some ways. But you're like, yeah, that's what great teams do. They win ugly. But it wasn't every game, right? right. And it wasn't like when they won games... That was thirty-six to three. That you're like, yeah, we won thirty-six to three, but that was just an ugly game. That's how it felt for Utah State against Nevada. And then you come out and you play against the Air Force, and it just felt like there was no motivation, there was no heart. And uh, you know, as they think, as I think through it, there are some teams that were like that, and that usually comes down to leadership. Um, but I also think if Utah State is not pumped up and is not fired up to play against BYU in their own stadium this Saturday night, then, then this isn't a team that had that, that, that winner's attitude, that had the mindset that it takes to win football games. And I do feel like they've been a little bit sluggish, but my goodness, you ought to be able to get up for this weekend and you all be able to play at your highest level for this weekend because All of these guys played against each other. A lot of them played against each other in high school. And certainly, everybody that's watching the game went to high school with a lot of these guys. And so, it it should mean a lot to Utah State. It should mean a lot to BYU. This This is a big deal for both teams, especially concerning the fact that I think both of them, this could really be a launching pad for the rest of the season. If BYU loses to Utah State... It's deflating, especially after winning against Boise State. If Utah State loses to BYU after having beaten them two years in a row and they felt like this was going to be a good season, it could be deflating going into their conference season. And so I think this game is really big for both teams personally.
0: So Utah State is giving up uh, 180 rush yards a game. BYU is giving up 217 rush yards a game. Which rush defense has the worst game tomorrow, and will that be part of the, the factor in the win or loss?
2: Well, I think I'm a little bit worried about Utah State being able to rush the ball because they don't have uh, you know you know they have Jalen Warren. Um, it looks like if he is playing, he has a bad shoulder. And so, to me, it'll be really interesting to see if they have a healthy squad to be able to run the ball the way that they want to run the ball. Um, and normally, I would pick Utah State, but right now, I feel like is a little bit more healthy there uh, with Finau and with Katoa and with some of these guys. Um, I, don't, I don't know who's going to win that. I think that's a really good thing for us to watch during the game to see who's controlling the line of scrimmage um, when it comes to running the football, because I think that'll be a, a key to whether Utah State can win or BYU can win. And you know, when I'm when I'm thinking about this game, and I'm sorry, I'm thinking about some of these things out loud as I'm as I'm talking to you guys. I mean, BYU's had trouble in the fourth quarter. I think if I think if you're Utah State and you feel like this game is close going into the fourth quarter, you got to feel really good about your chances right now. Especially considering the way BYU's played in the fourth quarter in the last three games. And then if you're BYU. I mean, I feel like you need to build up a good cachet of, of points going into the fourth quarter, so you can so you can pull it out, kind of like they did against Boise State, right? It was just too much for Boise State to overcome, and so boy, it's this is going to be an interesting game. Um, Jordan Love has got to play better. I mean, I, I know that he's had some drops, and I know that we've made a lot of excuses, but I, I don't think. That even he himself, if he if he was sitting here, you know, and we were having an honest conversation, he'd be like, "Hey, here's the facts. I just need to play better." Mm -hmm. And um, but he's got to do that, and he's got to manufacture that in a way that's a little bit more authentic and not pressing if that
3: makes sense. Yeah, well, in in the last three games, it's interesting when you're talking about the Utah State side, but the stuff you said about BYU, the last three games, they've played winning football, they've made losing plays. I mean, they've had the habit of making losing plays. Dropping the snap on a punt, you know, bad 15-yard penalty that could have ended a drive. I mean, just we could go over all of them. What does that come from? Because this is not one or two games this has happened sparingly. This is like a consistent thing recently. Is that a leadership issue? Is that mental toughness? Like, how does that something like that happen so frequently at such critical times?
2: Well, to me, to me, with, with with this fourth quarter that we're talking about, that's almost always the the here we go again mentality, right? So a couple of things have happened in the past. It's definitely a mental thing to me, and so what happens is you start giving a, giving yourself a little bit of like a reminder of like, oh yeah, this is what happens to us in the fourth quarter. And that can be a really, really dangerous mindset, right? I remember when Gary got to Utah State, the first time that he was there, he talked a lot about, you know, trying to overcome that mentality of, here we go again at Utah State, where Utah State played good in games, and they they played solid against teams, and then gave it up in the fourth quarter at the end of the game. And he talked specifically about a Hawaii game, and I believe it was with Chucky, where they came back and won the game, and he felt like they'd finally broke through that here-we-go-again attitude, and I think that's something that is going to have to do now is they've kind of built up some cachet now in the fourth quarter that says, hey, we make mistakes in the fourth quarter. We've not made winning plays, and they've got to have some experience and they've got to build some positive mom- momentum going on in the fourth quarter because, hey, this isn't a here-we-go-again quarter for us. This is just... This is just sometimes we make bad plays and we got to pull out of it a little bit quicker.
0: Tell me what the, the rivalry flavor is uh, between Utah State fans, BYU fans. Uh, I, I seem to feel like uh, BYU fans don't consider this as strong of a rivalry as Utah State fans might consider it. Is that accurate or wrong, or what, what's the flavor to it? No, no question.
2: There's no question at all. I mean, when you – when you talk to BYU fans, even after losing two years in a row, they're like, Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 a nice little program that you have up there in Utah State But when they think about this game and when they when they really think about it, they're thinking about it in terms of of the eighties and nineties where BYU dominated the series. And they're thinking of it in terms of, like, this should always be a win for BYU. And so I think Utah State gets really, really fired up about that attitude. And I think there's no question that there's a little brother feel still in this rivalry when you're Utah State and BYU. And I think that's... That's part of why Utah State has a lot of disdain for BYU fans and, and and for this rivalry game, and so they get really pumped up for it. And I think they get a little more pumped up for it than BYU does because BYU considers Utah their rival. But, um, you know, it, it could go a long ways and make a big statement this year for Utah State to win this game, to go three in a row against BYU since who knows how long ago and and really kinda of send a message out in the recruiting world that like, hey, this isn't this isn't your parents' BYU team. This isn't your grandparents BYU team and um that that means a lot for recruiting and that means a lot to the coaches and the players at Utah State. And I think it should mean a lot to BYU and I think it does. I think Kalani's very aware that that this is a big game for them on their side as well.
3: Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, a lot of pressure, I think, uh, when you talk about the coaches as well and how uh, pivotal this game is. If you were the offensive coordinator at BYU right now, who are you starting at
2: quarterback tomorrow? Oh, it's Jaron Hall. Jaron's going to start. He's he's a more athletic quarterback. He causes more problems. Um, I thought it was very smart of them not to to reveal who they're going to start and all those sorts of things. But I, I just really feel like it's Jaron Hall. That it, it, it fits more into the type of scheme that they want to call. It fits into a lot of different things. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jaron Hall, but I, I would say this. I think the rope got a little bit shorter in him missing this game because – you know, Romney showed that he can he can play high level championship football under pressure.
0: I said earlier in the week that I might consider going with with Baylor just simply because BYU's offense has not had a consistent feel to it all year long, and now they had they they finally got a quarterback in there that changed and they won. I thought maybe a consistency there, but you think Jaron Hall overall is the better athlete, and that's why you'd go with him.
2: Yeah, and and I'm thinking of it more in terms of, like, how does Kalani look at it, right? So Kalani, the defensive coordinator, he's thinking about what kind of a quarterback gives me the most problems when I'm trying to play football? Hmm. And he's going to say a running quarterback that can also throw it. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't 100% agree with you, uh, Simone, for uh, as far as like, I do feel like it gave a better feel to BYU. Like, they knew when they were running the ball. They knew when they were passing the ball. They were assignment sound. And I thought they played better football overall against Boise State than they played in a long time. And so... Um, the argument could definitely be made for Romney. I just think, I just think, when I'm looking at it and I'm thinking through Kalani's eyes, he's saying, "Well, Jaron gives us a better chance to win because he can scramble out and he can." He can do some things with his feet and save us on some of our bad plays if we get into some bad plays.
3: Mm. The quarterback, Riley Jensen, with us here, in 975 1280 the zone. Riley, Utah, Washington tomorrow, big time, Pac-12 showdown. Utah with so much on the line to try and win the South, they're going to need some help, obviously, and they're, they're looking for Oregon maybe to do them a favor against USC. But as for this matchup with Utah and Washington, every time I look at all the different facets, I think Easton's great. I think maybe there's some players who have yet to really surf who could have a good game in this. Chris Peterson has extra time, on and on. I believe this one comes down to Utah's O-line against Washington's front seven, and I like Utah in that run game and with the physicality up front. What are your thoughts about what should dictate this matchup most?
2: Well, I I think those are all really good points. I mean, I think they've stated that, you know, Chris Peterson is 14-0 when he has two weeks or more to prepare for a game. Um, I think that's I think that made me pause for a minute with this University of Utah Washington game um, when I when I started thinking about it I'm like oh, he's just a really good coach he's going to have these guys prepared but I'm just looking at it at the University of Utah and I'm looking at the way that they're playing right now and, and granted I know there's been some freshman quarterbacks and freshman defensive or offensive tackles that have been struggling in the last few weeks but Utah's playing at an extremely high level and I I mentioned this clear back when when Utah played against BYU the first of the year there's just this suffocating feel when you're playing against Utah's defense it's it's and, and it's not anything that you really notice. you don't you don't look around the field and go oh my gosh like that player is just so dominant it's it's just like I don't know. The best analogy that I've come up with is like an anaconda or something, you know, like, you're like, oh, this is a cool little snake. And then all of a sudden he's kind of wrapped around your midsection. You're like, oh, isn't that isn't that cool? Like I've got this cool snake around my midsection, and then he's around your neck. And all of a sudden you're suffocating and you're going, oh, my gosh, like what happened here? Like how how am I ever going to get out of this? Like what am I going to do now? And And I really feel like when you play against that kind of a defense – it's it's it almost lulls you to sleep and then all of a sudden you're like in the middle of it going I'm I'm actually not going to survive this I'm not I'm not going to make it out of this situation (laughs) and so the defense for Utah just gives me a lot of hope and then with Moss on the field and and this is not to take away from how good Tyler Huntley has played but I just feel like with Moss on the field this is a different team because they can pound the rock they can use surgical strikes as far as throwing the ball downfield and attacking defenses. And I just really feel like this is, this is a team at the University of Utah that is starting to play like a major championship level. It's certainly playing at Rose Bowl level, and it might even be playing at NCAA playoff level. And I'm, I'm really excited to watch the game this Saturday. I'm excited to watch the Oregon game against USC. And, and just see how this is all going to shake out because this is an exciting time to watch football if you're a University of Utah fan.
1: There you go, Riley Jensen, the quarterback with Tony and Austin yesterday. Big thanks to him for joining the show. Talked a little bit at the end there about Utah and their defense. Uh, Utah right now, uh, Jalen Johnson is on one knee, so hopefully he's okay, but they're just uh, taking a look at him. Um but uh, Utah down seven three, they just caused a fumble and got the uh, got a field goal out of it, so couldn't get the offense going enough to get a touchdown, but they get on the board there, trailing seven three. Um, we'll talk lost, and We'll talk a little bit about this BYU Utah State game around the top of the hour, but. Uh, Riley there looking forward to a game tonight that should be a pretty good one up in Lumpkin.
0: It's one I, I have no idea what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. None. None. Me neither. Which no field. the
0: best. That's why I like Pac-12 football. Yeah.
1: You never know. Yep. You never know. So big thanks to Riley for jumping on with us talking quarterbacks at BYU, what he would do. Uh, Austin has his thoughts on what he would do with the quarterbacks at BYU. We'll get into that later on in the show as well. Coming up on the other side, though, it's time for the original segment of the Saturday Show with Austin and I, and that is Technical Fouls. We'll get into a couple of those. That's all coming up next here on the Saturday Show.
3: If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat, because that's a technical foul. You will feel
2: Foul. Personal foul. Sixty-nine offense. He was giving them the business.
1: A technical foul. File. Technical fouls here on the Saturday show. Uh, Austin and I invented this segment way back in the day. It's good to have you back along for the ride. You, my friend, invented it. Well, we were we were a team back then. We are a team still. We still are a team, but on a different thing.
0: Yeah, Yeah, uh, but you invented this segment. And I just invented the open
1: with the help of a guy named Random Landler. Random Randler. Yes, yeah. I've heard of his movies. <laughs> uh, but technical fouls. If you if you're new to the show, first of all, welcome. Thank you for listening. Um, it's a, we, get, we hand out technical and you know or uh, yellow flags or whatever to uh, people who have misbehaved and done dumb things in the world of sports or otherwise. Yeah,
0: hopefully you don't hear yours or your loved one name brought up during this
1: segment. Technical foul on Austin's loved ones. No just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start with a technical foul on the Dallas Mavericks, okay last night. They allow LeBron James to get all the way to the hoop. They're up three, yeah and they don't foul him. Mm -hmm. He kicks it to the corner. Danny Green hits the three, which sends them to overtime. Ultimately, they get blown out in overtime, and uh, they fall to the L.A. Lakers. So was that
0: coaching? Was that inexperience? Was that uh, bright lights of LeBron blinding you from doing the right thing?
1: It's got to be, A, I guess it starts with coaching because you can never assume your players are going to do the right thing necessarily. Was this out
0: of a dead ball? Uh,
1: I'm not sure. I don't remember. I didn't think it was. But either way, I feel like players should know the situation too, don't you? Oh yeah. like don't if he wants to go to the all the way to the hoop sure, but just hug him. maybe maybe they thought, oh, he's so strong because we've seen it through his entire career that people try to foul him and he still finishes right but either way, he was able to kick it to the corner Danny Green puts the thing in overtime in a great basketball game last night
0: uh, maybe the best of the season. Yeah. so far. Oh, yeah, but that was a bad one. That's a
1: that's a bad call by the Mavericks, and it ended up costing.
0: Now, I think Steph Curry's injury gave the Mavericks a playoff spot. Yeah. Uh, but
1: that one may come back as a seeding issue. Yeah. That one they lost last night. The Mavericks are surprising. Uh, I thought they were going to be better or and good, and I knew Luca was going to be good, but I kind of had them in hovering at that eight spot maybe kind of thing. They might be able to get their way in. But. All right, technical foul on... European McDonald's
0: for running a ho- a Halloween special. It was an ice cream sundae with red cherry drizzling on top of the swirl. Uh-huh. And they called it Sunday Bloody Sunday.
1: <laughs> but which, of course... Sunday A-E, not A-Y.
0: Right, right. And the bloody is supposed to... The red cherries is supposed right, right, right. to represent blood. But... Bloody someday is not is not a moment in history that you want to use no. in your advertising marketing.
1: I, I laugh at the uh, the stupidity stupidity of
0: McDonald's. Yeah, that sounds good. That that's sounds a, like it's a, a U two song. That's, a, yeah. that's I promise you. That's what they thought. Yeah, they don't understand the history that fourteen unarmed protesters in Northern Ireland in nineteen seventy two or something yeah, yeah. were shot in cold blooded murder. <laughs> That's what Sunday. That's what Bloody
1: Sunday is. Especially because it's a European McDonald's too.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I know that they just took it from the U2 song because because this is Bloody Sunday. Yeah. And U2 sings Sunday Bloody Sunday, right, yeah. which is the name of this Sunday. So someone was just thinking, I know a song. It's about the day Sunday. But, hey, this is an ice cream Sunday, see? Yes, yes. So, technical foul on
1: European McDonald's. Oops. Sometimes advertising is hard, Austin. (laughs) Um, My last one is kind of a funny one, but did you see technical foul on Zion Williamson? Did you see him when he was celebrating the other night? He punched his teammate in the face on accident? (laughs) No, I didn't see it. Something happened, and he threw his hands up in celebration, and he punched Jackson Hayes in the face. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people have wanted to punch Jackson Hayes in the face. What? Yes. But... Uh, Like who? I don't know.
0: But never (laughs) his teammates before. No, no, no. Uh, Finally, technical foul on every one of you that is complaining about daylight savings. Have you seen how many people are just me 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 me? Why do we have daylight savings? Why do we have to change
1: the clocks?
0: You get your a phone does it by yourself. You get a free hour of sleep. Yeah, this isn't
1: 1991. We have to go around the house <laughs> and turn the the little hand backwards. Don't worry, your your Nest and Alexa will change all your clocks <laughs> for you. I think you're fine, and you get an extra Wait, hour is that of this sleep this weekend. It's tonight at 2 a.m. Oh, heck yeah! Yeah, I know. I've needed some. This this has been a long week, so I've needed some. Sleep. You're telling me. You're telling me. For you, this is just an hour more awake with your lovely baby. <laughs> it is. It's, it's an hour
0: more of wake time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's technical. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, I don't care either way. If we didn't have daylight savings, I'd be fine with it. But I don't care either way. What do you mean? Like, if we didn't have it, I'd be like, yeah. And we have it. I'm like, yeah. It's not an annoyance to the clocks change. Even the spring forward one. Fine, you change the clock in your car, but what the clocks doesn't do it itself. But even like the spring forward, I'm like, ah, that stinks. I lose another. I lose an hour of sleep. And then I just move on with my life because I'm an adult. Well, and I've got more things in my life to worry about than whether or not an hour has been taken from my life. I
0: hereby commit that in the spring, I'll keep my complaints to a minimum about daylight
1: saving. <laughs> oh, I hope we can pull this later spring. It's it's like, why do we have daylight savings? I'm the problem with society. <laughs> uh, coming up on the other side, we'll get into the BYU-Utah State game. I also want to throw some sound by Austin that head coach Quinn Snyder of the Utah Jazz had about uh, some updates to the box score he would like to be see, he would like to see. And uh, we may let you hear from a daily assist. Sam Amick was on with uh, the big show and he is one of uh, one of the must-listens. From your uh, all of them are must listens, but I, I really do enjoy listening to Sam. Maybe it's because we had lunch with him that one time and that was cool. Maybe, uh, but
0: he also spends the most time of the three around the jazz. Yeah. So jazz listeners uh, probably also guy, appreciate him the most. He lives
1: in Sacramento, I believe. He was at the game and last night. He was night. at the game last night. Yeah. So we'll let you hear from him. Uh, that was yesterday on The Big Show. Another hour here on The Saturday Show on The Zone Sports Network.